Good morning, everybody. Sorry, I had to find something to put my stuff on. Um, I had a baby uh, last week. Thank you, thank you. I worked really hard. Uh, uh, this is her. Her name is Maya Marie Smith. She's very beautiful. Um, this is her in a penguin costume. That's my favorite. And uh, here's all three of us together um, at the hospital after she was born. So this is like the picture. This is the one you put on Facebook. And uh, people go by and, you know, they're scrolling through. And they see that, you know, mama and baby are healthy and happy. And uh, everything went well and so cute, awesome picture and stuff. And people scroll through and uh, they look at it and... They see the pretty little family, happy, healthy, and they say, oh, they are so blessed. Right? And, that's what people, and people nod their head and think, yeah, they're so blessed. Blessed to have a happy baby. Blessed to have, be a happy, healthy family. And, right, we would all agree, good thing to have a happy, healthy baby family. But what do, what do people mean when they say, oh, they're so blessed? Or when they put, you know, at the end, they'll put the, uh, the hashtag blessed. What do people mean when they say blessed? Well, I think really simply put, uh, what, basically what it means to say that somebody's blessed is to say they got it good. They're in a, a good place. They're in a desirable position. I would want to be them. It would be good to be them. That's pretty much what we mean when we say blessed. Um, that's what Christians say to describe that idea. If you're not a Christian, uh, they use a different, less spiritual term for this. Can you turn up the volume a little bit, guys? Okay, let's try to turn it up a little bit more. Mute me if you need to. Uh, if you've ever watched Napoleon Dynamite, that's like Napoleon Dynamite's like thing. Sorry, I'm, I'm real loud. Can you turn me down a little bit, guys? That's Napoleon Dynamite's thing, okay? Uh, he says, lucky, all the time. Uh, whenever somebody has, you know, a sweet sledgehammer bike with his shocks and pegs. Uh, and what he means is the same thing that we, we mean when, he said, when we say blessed. You're in a, you got it good, man. Like, you are well off. You are in an enviable, desirable place. The only difference between the idea of luck and blessed is that luck implies that it happened by chance and that blessed implies that there's a blesser. And so what I want to ask you today is what is your idea of somebody who's blessed? Is it somebody who has uh, the sledgehammer bike with the shocks and the pegs, doesn't have to take the bus to school? Better yet, uh, <laughs> who, if you had to guess right now, um, or if you had to, to make a decision, who would you say is the most blessed person in the world? Some of you may, it may come into your mind, uh, Jeff Bezos, $180 billion or something insane like that. Maybe Tom Brady came into your mind, seven Super Bowl championships, 
Or maybe it's just somebody who got to keep their power and their pipes didn't burst uh, during Synovid 19, right? Like, oh, that's, that's what I've been hearing the word, that word the most recently. It's like, oh, we're so blessed. We got to keep our electricity. The thing is, is that uh, all those things, and this, I want to say this before we get into any of the rest of the sermon, is that having a happy, healthy birth of a child is blessed. That is a good thing. And the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. So we do accept all these things as good things, as blessings. Financial provision is a blessing. Health is a blessing. Uh, All of those things are blessings, and we are blessed to have them, blessed by God. But the thing is, is that Jesus, in his ministry, we're we're, we're diving into uh, the book of Matthew, and specifically this week we're going to start the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus comes, and he sits down on top of this mountain, or this hill, and he starts talking to his disciples, and a bunch of other people are there with them, and he he sets out, and he starts describing all these people who he says are truly blessed. And we're going to take a look at that today. We're going to find out that Jesus' definition of blessed was so different from what people thought it meant to be blessed back in his day. And I think, it is going, I think we're going to find out that Jesus' definition of who is blessed is pretty different from ours today too. So um, I'm just going to pray real quick and ask the Lord to, to teach us this morning through his word. Heavenly Father, uh, we pray. First, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for preserving the words of your son Jesus for us uh, to hear today and to be transformed by today. I pray, Jesus, that you would just fill me with your spirit uh, in a way that will make these words uh, transformative and that you would encourage those in this room today, uh, convict us if we need it, challenge us, equip us. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. All right, so let's get into, um, let's see who Jesus says is truly blessed, see who the blessed ones are in his book. So we're in Matthew chapter 5, if you want, guys want to follow along, and you followed Luke's instructions to bring your Bibles to church. So Luke chapter 5, or sorry, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I want to read that just a little bit differently, because I think those of us who have heard this our whole entire lives are just like, yeah, okay, that's, that's what Jesus said. That's, that's what we're used to. Uh, but let me read it just a little bit differently, the way that we kind of defined blessing a minute ago. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You lucky dogs. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those like you. Blessed are you who weep. You got it good because you will be comforted. Does that that sit a little differently? Does that hit a little differently? It hits differently for me because I think I've heard that so many times I just got used to that and it sounded normal. In Luke, He reads it like this. He says, blessed are the poor. He doesn't even say poor in spirit. He said, blessed are the poor. You guys are lucky who have no money. That's what Jesus is saying. And so this is not a normal thing for Jesus to get up and say. People sitting around him, whenever he got up and said, blessed are the poor people. You guys are lucky. People were not sitting there like, yeah. People 
We're like, what? You see, back in Jesus' day, uh, poor wasn't just like, being, being poor wasn't just like, uh, you're unfortunate. Being poor meant that you were cursed by God. And the way that people understood uh, poverty and suffering altogether was based upon their understanding of the law, a misunderstanding of the law. Because, because God said in the Torah that if you followed the, followed the law and you followed God, that things would go well for you, that he would bless you, give you many children, all things like that. And if you didn't follow God and that you uh, did not follow his law, that bad things would happen to you. He would send them into exile. He would uh, send curses on them. And so their misunderstanding of the law is that any time that anybody was poor or any time that anything bad happened to people, that they were cursed by God, that somebody sinned. If you guys remember, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was a lame man or a blind man, but Jesus and his disciples were walking by um, somebody who was either lame or blind, I can't remember, uh, but they said, Jesus, who sinned, that guy or his parents? And Jesus said, you guys do not get it. That is not how it works. But this is how they all understood it. And so the guy who, you got to understand the effect that this would have had on poor people or suffering people in the crowd whenever Jesus was saying, whenever he was starting his sermon with these very words. The poor man, the beggar, who was sitting kind of on the outskirts, just kind of there to hopefully, maybe somebody will be inspired by the nice words of Jesus and give him a little bit of bread or a little bit of money. Uh, he's not even really paying attention. But Jesus opens up and he said, blessed are you poor people. You guys are the lucky ones. You have it good. That poor man, for the first time, actually looks up. He's like, this may actually have something to do with me. What does he mean? The woman who just lost her child due to disease, her family and friends look upon her like, all right, who sinned, the child or her? And she, instead of getting comfort from the people who are closest to her the most, she's considered stricken and cursed by God. She is sitting on the outskirts as well. And Jesus said, blessed are you who mourn, for you'll be comforted. She hears this, and she looks up. These words apply to her now. When Jesus comes and starts talking about the kingdom, the poor people and the suffering people did not think that that would ever apply to them. If the Messiah, the Son of God, the descendant of David, who's going to come and make all things right, if he comes, he is not going to be coming to the poor people and the people who are suffering and crying themselves to sleep at night. They, said, they thought that the people that Jesus was going to be coming to, he was going to be sitting alongside the Pharisees, the people who had the religious goods. He was going to be sitting along the rich, blessed people because they're rich and they're blessed because they must have done something right. They must be spiritually good. And so when people are hearing this, this is like totally trans, this is like, this is totally revolutionary for Jesus to come and say, blessed are the poor, you guys got it good. And I'm afraid that this is, that is as countercultural today as it was back then. Imagine if you were walking down the street, you're going to get ice cream with Brother Charles, okay? And you guys are walking down the street and you got your rocky road. I like mint chocolate chip. I will be eating mint chocolate chip. And you're walking down the street and Brother Charles sees, you guys see this, uh, this homeless man. He has no legs. He's sitting in his wheelchair and he has a little sign up that says, please help. And Charles, you know, you're, you're like thinking about it a little bit and you're like, oh man, that really stinks for that guy. I'm really glad I'm not him. <laughs> And you look, by, you look over at Charles, and he goes, you lucky dog. You'd be like, Charles, that is messed up. But that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, the poor people, 
people who are suffering, those who are mourning, they're blessed. And so before we go any further, I'm not encouraging us to start saying, oh, poor people, you guys got it good. All right, have a great day. Enjoy your blessings. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. All of the Beatitudes that Jesus brings up, he is, he's talking about, you could kind of insert this into the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in the kingdom, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Or blessed are those who mourn in the kingdom, for they will be comforted. Jesus is not saying that every poor person is going to go to heaven. Jesus is not saying that every sad person is going to go to heaven. But he's saying this is how things are in the kingdom that I'm bringing. Things are going to be switched. Things are different in this kingdom that I'm bringing. And so what we are supposed to see, what we are supposed to realize is that Jesus is saying that the, the, the kingdom belongs to the poor and the poor are blessed and the mourning are blessed because they are more likely to be the ones who want to pick a new kingdom. They are more likely the ones who want to receive comfort from God. You remember, you gotta, we've got to keep all this in the same perspective of what Jesus said other places in the gospel. When Jesus came to the rich man and he said, hey, do you want, he said, hey, I want, I want to follow you. He said, give up everything that you have and follow me. And he said, I can't do it. Because he had a pretty good kingdom already. And it wasn't worth giving up for another one. But Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor and blessed are you who mourn. And blessed are you who wish that you had a second chance. Who wish you had a do-over in life. You guys are blessed because I'm coming and bringing a new kingdom. And you can trade the one that you have for it. And in it, you will be blessed. In it, you are the lucky one. Luke shared something really cool with me this week. Um, <clears throat> he shared with me this book. Um, it's, a, it's a book by Heidi Baker. She's a missionary in Africa. Um, and she talks about the, the importance and the fruitfulness of what happens when we go to the poor with the gospel. And this is what she has to say. She says, I've never met a person since we've been in Mozambique who hasn't said yes to Jesus. Think about that for a second. She said, the poor come by the hundreds, by the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands. They come one by one because they know they're hungry. There's something about the poor that delights the heart of God. They're contrite. They know they're in need. What is it about the poor that makes them want to come to Jesus? What is it about the poor that literally brings the kingdom of God, that allows them to experience the kingdom of God in a way that the well-fed don't? It has to do with hunger. It has to do with their need. They know they need God. They're hungry and thirsty. There's something about the poor, and there's something about people who are broken. They're blessed because they're more likely to want Jesus. They have less to lose to follow Jesus. I've sat in a lot of classes at school. I've read in a lot of books, and I've heard from a lot of friends who have sat in, in church uh, planning meetings where People are looking at churches, and they're looking at the state of churches in America, and they say, the church is dying, the church is declining, uh, all of our churches are becoming really old, and so uh, we need young people. Young people are going to save the church. We need to get more young families into our church. 
We need to get more middle class, specifically young families who can tithe into our churches so that the church doesn't die. Jesus did not say blessed are the young middle class families for theirs is the kingdom. He said blessed are the poor. The young families are not going to save the church. The poor, I would say, have a better chance of saving the church. We as the church need to take the gospel to those who want it, to those who are more likely to receive it. I'm not saying we don't share the gospel with rich or well-off or happy people. We share the gospel with everybody, but we have to focus on the people that Jesus himself went to the most and said that our ministry would be fruitful to. So those are the first two. <laughs> Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn, because the kingdom belongs to them, and they will be comforted. Uh, the next one, the next few Beatitudes. <clears throat> Jesus goes on to say this. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, these ones in themselves seem a little less countercultural. They seem a little less revolutionary than the ones that we were talking about just before, where Jesus said, hey, blessed are all you people who are really hungry and poor, um, you lucky dogs. This, is, this seems a little, uh, it seems to make a little more sense. Blessed are the pure in heart? Yeah. I think that would be a good thing. It would be a good thing to be pure. Now, blessed are the merciful. Yeah, a good thing to be merciful. But with these words, Jesus really was still shaking up really what, what people thought about what it meant to be blessed in their time. You see, uh, a minute ago I was talking about how um, back in the day it was, it was if you were poor or you were, uh, you were suffering, that that was a sign of, um, of people being cursed by God because of... Um, Am I the only hearing that? Okay, hearing some crazy noises right now. But anyway, Jesus uh, is, the people uh, in Jesus' time, the religion in Jesus' time, here's kind of what happened um, leading up to it, is the people of Israel had disobeyed God and they had gone into exile. And this is what the law said would happen if they didn't follow God and his law. And so the prophets spoke and they said, hey, you guys have abandoned the law, you've abandoned your God, you've worshipped all these other gods and idols, uh, and so that is why you're being exiled. And so eventually, whenever they got brought out of exile and back to into the promised land, uh, the people who were in charge of Jewish religion said, that's never going to happen again. We got kicked out of the promised land because we didn't obey the law of God. We're never going to do that again. We're going to obey the law. In fact, we are going to create some of our own laws, kind of like a safety net around the laws, so that uh, you can't even get close to breaking the laws. So Jesus, uh, in, in the law, they said, don't work on the Sabbath. Well, they said, well, if you take... Um, you know, this many steps on the Sabbath day, then you will be breaking uh, the law. And so uh, what ended up happening is their law, is, is the, the religion of the Jews during Jesus' time had become one that was totally external. It had become one where if you follow the rules, you're in. If you don't follow the rules, you're out. And this is, we're talking 600 plus laws, including 
all of the extra laws and all the extra rules that the Pharisees thrown in, like the Sabbath laws and laws about washing your hands and things like that. And so these people were under the heavy, heavy yoke of follow these rules to be right with God. And so Jesus comes along and he says, blessed are the pure in heart. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he talks about being merciful and he talks about being gentle. And he doesn't, and he doesn't say a lick about following any rules or being sure to wash your hands before you eat or making sure that you don't walk too many paces on the Sabbath day. And this was revolutionary to the people listening. Nobody ever cared about their heart. The Pharisees didn't care about their heart. The Pharisees just said, hey, if you just follow all these rules, if you check all these boxes, then you're good with us, you're good with God. We'll leave you alone. If you can't follow all these rules, you don't get God. You're not a part of the system. You are not right with God. You're not right with us. And Jesus comes along and he says, it's about your heart. And Jesus, you know, we know that Jesus got onto the Pharisees over and over again about caring about the outside and being religiously right before people, but not being good and transformed and hungry for God in their hearts. In Matthew 23, this is what, the, what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, shame on you, teachers of the law you, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You tithe your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Shame on you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees and hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Jesus is saying, you guys have missed it. Talking to the Pharisees, at least. Y'all have missed it. You see, you've heard the prophets calling you back to the law and calling you back to obey God and calling him uh, to obey these commands about sacrifices and rituals and festivals, but you missed the part where the prophets say that God wants your heart. You missed the part where God calls us to love mercy and to do justice and walk humbly with your God. They had missed it. They had missed the fact that God cares about the heart. Uh, I want to show you something um, for the sake of an illustration. Me and my, me and my friend, this was a while, Maritza wanted me to let you know that this was a long time ago. Um, so this was a long time ago, like six years ago. And um, one time me and my friend were going out to, uh, to go shooting on his uh, father-in-law's property. And it was a little muddy, it had rained. And so when we were getting ready to leave, he said, hey, there's, you know, these big mud pits right here. Your car isn't four-wheel drive. So in order to get out and make sure you don't get stuck, you need to gun it. And so I was like, okay. And I don't know how to drive in the mud. I'm a city boy. And so uh, I floored it. And here's a, here's a video of that for your entertainment. Uh, so... That's not good for a car, uh, that kind of thing. And you can hear my friend giggling in the background as it, as it happened. But I was like, man, that did not feel good. Uh, I felt like I got hit by a car as I was driving through all that. And so I got out of the car whenever uh, we had just done that, and I, I kind of looked around, everything looked okay, and we drove it home, and it drove home fine. And 
I was like, okay, I guess we're good. And so um, <clears throat> I went home, and the, one of the first things I did was I got a car wash because my car was super muddy. And I vacuumed out the interior, and uh, I may have waxed my car. I really cared about what my car looked back then. Not anymore. But I did not check under the hood. Okay? And this was one week later. Uh, oh, that doesn't, show, that doesn't show up very good, does it? But that's my car on the back of a tow truck. Because I was driving down the street, and uh, my, my temperature light came on, and my car apparently overheated, and it shot a uh, piston through one of the cylinders and destroyed the engine. And it, the sad thing was, is all that had happened is I went through that big old mud pit going 30 miles an hour, and apparently it had torn one of the ra lower radiator hoses, and so all the coolant leaked out, and the engine had overheated. And here's the thing, is it's so sad because all I had to do was open up the hood, and I could have looked, and I could have seen that the coolant was low, and I maybe could have saved the engine and not have had it uh, catastrophically blow up. I cared more about the outside of the car than the inside that was so essential to keep it running. And this is what Jesus is saying here in the Beatitudes, is he's pointing to all these things that the Pharisees and all the people have been overlooking, and he said, you guys are focused on the outside, and you're focused on looking religious, but you do not, you are not focusing on what's important, the heart. And I'm afraid that sometimes we can be like this today. We don't have a temple and we don't have all of the Pharisee rules and stuff like that to follow, but we do make our own rules. Say, well, I go to church three times a month, I'm good with God. God can leave me alone because I did what I was supposed to do. We post a selfie of ourselves reading our Bible on Facebook, and we say, hashtag blessed. And we think, well, I'm a Christian. I post pictures of me and my Bible on Instagram. Say, boom, I'm good. God doesn't care about your Instagram. I would even venture to say he doesn't even care about your church attendance if your heart's not right. God cares about your heart. He wants you. You see, with all of this, Jesus is trying to, I'm going to get rid of this sad picture. Um, all of this with the Beatitudes, what I'm convinced Jesus is trying to do is just simply to change in our minds who we think the blessed people are. Because most of us think the blessed people, the people who have been favored by God, are the ones who are happy, and the ones who are healthy, and the ones who have money, or the ones who look like they have it religiously altogether. But Jesus is saying that that is not who we're supposed to see as blessed. Instead of thinking of the most blessed people in our church being the ones who have the nicest little families, who have it all together, have uh, the, the cute little kids and all that stuff, um, I'm not speaking against that in itself because I now am one of those people that have a cute little kid. But Jesus is saying they're not the most blessed people. They are blessed to have those things. They are blessed to have children. But he's saying the most blessed is the person who comes in and says, man, I, I spent time with the Lord this morning and it was so good. And you got to hear about this testimony. God answered my prayer, and he did, he did this. That's the blessed person. I'm not talking about people who are fake like that and who are coming in and saying, look at how spiritual I am, but people who legitimately, what they want in life is God. 
what they want. They're pure in their devotion to the Lord. There's, it, like the, these people do exist. I think sometimes in our uh, Protestantism, we think, oh, nobody's pure. Oh, everybody's a sinner. Uh, the heart is deceitful beyond all. Jesus went up to Nathaniel sitting under the tree, and he said, this is an Israelite in whom there's no deception. And that was before Jesus had even died on the cross or anything. And so Jesus is saying it's possible to have a pure heart. It's possible to really hunger and thirst after the Lord. And what he's saying is those people, if you hunger and thirst for God, and if you're pure in your heart, you are going to see God. You're going to encounter God. That is, you are going to be vindicated. You're going to be rewarded. Jesus wants your heart. Jesus wants your desire. Which is a beautiful thing because it means he's more interested than you. He's more interested in having you than he is just having a bunch of people who look nice and presentable and won't embarrass him. So blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will encounter God. Got one more group of people for you here uh, that Jesus brings up. Jesus goes on and he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When's the last time that you heard of a pastor in North Korea getting sent, hauled away from his family and got put in prison for preaching the gospel and said, he is so blessed. Probably never. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that's probably what we should say. Uh, I think we're supposed to pray for our, uh, our brothers and our sisters who are facing persecution and all that. But Jesus, again, is trying to change our idea of who has it the best. I don't think any of us would put the guy who lost his job for following Jesus on our top 10 most blessed list. We pity these people. We feel sorry for people who are persecuted for their faith. And in a way that's good, but Jesus is saying this is better. Hear me out. It is a blessed, a person who gets a promotion at their job is blessed. But the person who gets fired for following Jesus is more blessed. That's what Jesus is saying right here. He's trying to change our mind. Because if he can change our mind on who is blessed, it'll change the kind of people that we want to be. And it'll maybe change the kind of, it'll change the way that we treat the people that he says is most blessed. We're going to honor the people among us who are suffering and losing things for Jesus. We're going to try to be the kind of person. Jesus, you know, the fact that Jesus is coming and saying, blessed are you when people lie about you. Blessed are people when you or have things taken away from you, or when people try to kill you for following Jesus, you lucky dog. That was crazy. That's such a crazy thing to say. Because you're not, that's not a good thing. We don't see that as a good thing. Your quality of life goes down when those things happen. But what's funny is the early church got this so much that literally people, that they would go to Rome during times of persecution and say, hey, uh, I'm a Christian. You can feed me to the lions. And the early church uh, fathers had to write to these people and say, stop doing that. That's not how you're supposed to do it, okay? Like, if you get persecuted and they catch you, fine, but you're not supposed to give yourself over that way. But they understood something we didn't, is that it's better. These are the enviable ones. 
It's desirable to be in that place. And here, let me, let me say why. This is actually the only uh, beatitude that Jesus expounds upon, probably because it was so ridiculous that Jesus had to kind of give a little bit more explanation. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and speak all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He said, you're more blessed because there is a kingdom that's more real than this kingdom. He said, this kingdom, this world is passing away, but there's a world that lasts forever. There's a kingdom that lasts forever. And those of you who are suffering in this world, blessed are you because you are going to have it better in the next one. Jesus says, uh, the author of Hebrews says this at one point, and he says, there are some who were tortured and they refused to be released because they were seeking a better resurrection. Do you actually, I know you're hearing what, I know we're hearing what Jesus is saying right here. We're hearing that it's (laughs) blessed are you who are persecuted. It's better for you to be persecuted. But do we actually believe that to the point where it would make a difference in our life? When it comes down to it, would you be willing, whenever your girlfriend comes up to you and says, hey, this church thing is okay, whenever you're just going to church and stuff, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't protest or anything like that, but now you're just taking it too far. You're obsessed. You won't stop talking about Jesus. You won't leave me alone. It's time for you to choose me or Jesus. Jesus wants us to be ready. He wants us to really believe that it's more blessed to be persecuted. It's more blessed to lose something for Jesus than it is to be comfortable. He wants us to actually believe it. When your boss comes and sits you down and says, you need to stop talking about Jesus with your customers or you're fired. Do you really believe it's more blessed to be persecuted? Do you really believe it's more blessed to follow Jesus than it is to keep your job? Because that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is trying to change our minds about what is the best, about what is the most blessed. Who ends up on your top 10 blessed list? Because your answer is going to determine the kind of people that we are. It's going to determine the kind of people that we take the gospel to. It's going to determine the kind of relationship we have with the Lord. I just want to, uh, what I'm hoping here is that uh, and one of the things I'm convinced that Jesus did with the Beatitudes is, yeah, he was trying to, to demonstrate who the kingdom was available to. It's, it's available to the poor. It's available to the mourning, and that's amazing. I think he was trying to change the kind of people that we are and how we pursue God, uh, people who pursue him from the heart. And I think he was trying to prepare us to be ready to give everything to follow him because it's the more blessed way. So I think he's trying to do a lot of things with the Beatitudes. But one of the things that I'm convinced that he was doing the most is he was offering assurance and comfort to the people that we're talking about here. He's speaking up to the poor and saying, you are welcome in the kingdom. This kingdom of heaven belongs to you. He's speaking to the persecuted. I don't know if any of y'all have ever been in the place where you're actually really losing something for Jesus and people are coming at you or people are lying about you um, or people are persecuting you and insulting you. Uh, a lot of times that makes you stop and say, and really question yourself. Even if you've read all this before, uh, you stop and question yourself, Jesus, is this right? 
And Jesus in the Beatitudes is coming up, and he's saying, or you're asking Jesus, am I, am I really wrong? I thought I was following you. But Jesus is coming in, and he's saying, no, you are right. You couldn't be more right. And in it, he's offering assurance. And in it, he's offering comfort. And I think that's a big thing that Jesus does here in the Beatitudes. And so as we go, uh, I'm going to finish up here. I want to just one more time read through the Beatitudes. Um, and let it just be kind of a benediction of sorts. Um, and let him just let Jesus speak to all of us in this way. Um, if you find yourself as the mourning one, as you find yourself as the persecuted one, or if you find yourself as the one who is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, hear what Jesus have to, has to say. The kingdom belongs to you. You will be filled. And Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for you will inherit the kingdom. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for you will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for you will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for you will be called children of God. Blessed are you who are persecuted because of righteousness, for yours is the kingdom of heaven.